Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, coming at you from Paris, France today. I'm Molly Herford, an author, writer, and doer of pretty much everything and anything outdoors, adventure, and fitness related. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a kinesiologist and Molly's co-host here on the podcast. Yeah, so this this week's episode is pretty cool. I'm excited we're getting back to some different sporting events, I guess. We have, you know, a fair amount of endurance sports since that's our background and primary passion, but today we're talking about skateboarding, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's been on my list to get on here for pretty much since we started the podcast. That was like my number one. So it's it's been hard to find, but I think today we have Kevin on uh, from Skate Yogi, which is a business in uh, New York. Brooklyn in Brooklyn and he works with kids but then he also does adult uh, classes which is what I was looking for is sort of the adult onset uh, skateboarding Um, adult onset skateboarding I really like that well we stole that that's from Terry uh, from total immersion talked about Mm -hmm. the uh, adult onset swimmers so you see a lot of like some of my cycling clients uh, with my coaching uh, business are, you know, they have young kids who are going to the skate park and, you know, they're healthy, active people. So they, you know, they're getting a board or, you know, they want to play with their kids, which is awesome. So at the same time, we don't bounce quite like the, the youngsters do and we're a little higher up in the air. So I thought finding someone who was working with adults to learn skateboarding or relearn skateboarding um, as an adult, maybe picking it back up, would be really, really neat. So Kevin was, I think, perfect. I really enjoyed the episode. I like that. As someone who has bought probably five skateboards in the last 10 years and has used all of them maybe once. Yeah, and you probably bought like uh, the longboard. Yeah. So we talk about that. Like, so similar to some of the like golf ones and stuff we go through all the you know common mistakes what is skateboarding what's sort of like the first trick you can learn how do you get you know with a skateboard how do you stand on the skateboard Mm -hmm. you know what are the different types of boards and you know all the parts because it's pretty intimidating if you ever walked into a skateboard store like i we talk about this and you know i know about skateboards i skateboard for many years and even still i find like going in we went into a few places when we were in virginia beach and i sort of was thinking of getting one but it's just like knowing what to get or how expensive you need to get. And mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we go into all that stuff that's sort of going to stop you from trying it. Um, and yeah. then we also talk about his business, which is just in New York. So a lot of our listeners are in that sort of eastern what's the eastern seaboard of the, the yeah. U.S. Um, or up in Canada. And, you know, it's it's not that crazy to think about going maybe to one of his camps and, you know, or dropping in for a lesson or something. I absolutely should. Uh, on the topic of different sports, though, I think we've we've both been practicing a little bit more parkour while we're over in Europe. Actually, right now we're, I think, in the home of parkour in Paris. I think that's very hot, hotly contested. I think there's like three or four places that claim it. But Okay, yeah. well, one of, the, one of the birthplaces of parkour is Paris, and we actually noticed on our run this morning that there's a bunch of stuff that seems to be set up with parkour or move net or whatever you want to call it in mind so lots of like little yeah. wooden structures for jumping hopping yeah and it's funny we did in uh belgium where we're staying for most of this block um there's a little like forest agility loop which is pretty 
popular in Europe. We have them, obviously, in, in North America as well. But Totally different, though. Yeah, like, in North America, we tend to want to, like, replicate, like, machines. So we have, like, fake ellipticals and stuff like this. And usually we, we've gone away from, like, big forest loops. Like, this is, like, a 4 or 5K loop. Yeah. So you have to run maybe 500 meters or, you know, not half a mile, but at least a quarter mile. It'd between, be a long walk if you were Between everything. Then. And so, but a lot of the stuff is really simple. Like, if you can picture like uh you know two posts and then like a beam between them um and that's like one station will be that and you'll have to like hop up and over it or you know do like little dips on it or do rows off of it and it's the most simple thing like you could probably you know you put two posts in the ground and put a cross beam on it and now you have this like quote unquote exercise equipment i think for me the most interesting one is the leapfrog station it's i think 12 posts in the ground with just little platforms on top of each and you basically leapfrog over them. But the first day we did the course, I like almost fell. I couldn't actually do it because that movement was so foreign to me as someone who has not played leapfrog since she was like three. Yeah, so it's really cool but for by you to day, have to revisit them. Yeah, by day two, I was able to do all of them just because like it does come back. But the weird way that it felt the first day... I couldn't believe it. And it kind of reminded me, you know, like, oh, when we're teaching cyclocross skills, for example, like the dismount remount feels really strange at first. And I'm sure same with skateboarding, like standing on the board as it goes down the road is really intimidating. Or even just standing on the board. Exactly. That's where I fail. (laughs) I don't even get past that part. So no, we talk about he has a couple of really neat drills for that, which I think my interest in a lot of this stuff is, you know, I do want to get back skateboarding. Um, but also just when you talk to people from other sports or other careers, you often pick up things. So like he had, uh, a drill, you know, where you sort of step on, step off on the board and on both sides of the board, I think is how it worked if I remember right. Um, and that got me thinking about, you know, even something like a cyclocross dismount or different things like that, where you, I actually have one already for cyclocross dismount that's sort of step on, step off, but he does this one like static standing there. So it just got me thinking about, you know, different things you can transfer over or wording on stuff. So, you know, if on the surface, you're not, you know, you're sort of wondering about continuing on the episode, I hope you will. And just, you know, try and think about how you can apply some of the stuff he's talking about. And even the business model he has might be interesting to some of the entrepreneurs who, who listen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have anything else? What else? I think big thanks to Wide Angle Podium. If you haven't checked them out and all the podcasts under that are network, um, there's lots of good ones in there. Slow Ride Podcast, CX Hairs, Bike Shop, CX, CX, Bike Shop. I always screw up theirs for some reason. Um, <laughs> anyway, lots of really good shows on there. We got to hang out as one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely big thanks to them. Check them out. You can donate to support the podcast, our podcast specifically, or the whole network. Um, you can yeah. check Molly and I out at, at Peter Glassford and at Molly Herford. You yep, can... and of course all the show notes with all of the skate yogi stuff, all of our links. All oh, of... and in your podcast app, if you're you find this up and you're staring at it right now, you can rate and review. That would be always helpful. It helps get us, you know, bumped up there. So that's that's awesome. So yeah, without further ado, do you want to get into this episode with Kevin Banahan of Skate Yogi? All right, let's do it. Nowadays, a lot more people are getting into skating. You're seeing girls participating in skating a lot more. Um, older skaters, obviously, that you know, there was the focus of how we started off with adults. But um, yeah, that's something I definitely like to talk about because uh, as a, I have a daughter, and like seeing um, seeing girls getting into getting into skating has been really awesome. When I first got into it, it was pretty much 
um, you know, boys in their teenage and, and 20, you know, in their twenties, but this activity has evolved now, you know, you get people of all ages and the diversity in, in skateboarding has, has been really awesome. Awesome. Well, why don't we start there? I mean, why don't you tell us how you went, you know, I assume from a, a young skateboarding gentleman, um, and how did you get to this point where you wanted to instruct and empower people with skateboarding? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I started skateboarding, uh, in my, in my freshman year, uh, I was about 13 and this is after school one day, uh, I had done, I was doing cross country at the time. I wasn't ever really too into, uh, the group, group team sports. I, I had tried them all out, but I found, you know, cross country was just kind of, I saw it. It's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I was after school one day and saw a few older kids, uh, in front of the school. There was, a set of stairs, maybe it was three stairs. They had these baggy pants and they were just trying to, uh, flip the board. You know, they're jumping off the stairs, flipping the board and trying to land on it. And uh, I don't even think they were doing it, but just seeing that really caught my attention. And, and I was just kind of like fixated on it. I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen before that. I hadn't really seen skateboarding in person and just that activity of just trying something over and over again in a space that obviously wasn't meant for the activity. So kind of re, you know, repurposing that space. So I got a skateboard that summer, uh, skated with my friends all day, every day. Uh, we just watched the videos and since then that that's now um, I'm 38 now. So if you do the math, that's been about 25 years. Skateboarding has been a part of my daily life. Uh, it's just something I do every, almost every single day. And, um, yeah, I love it. Right. And so your business is called skate Yogi. Um, where does the Yogi part of it come from? Yeah. So about, uh, five years ago, I was, uh, actually unemployed at the time I had been, you know, I had some, some work that had gone in the, the corporate world and wasn't really digging it. So I was, um, doing a lot of yoga. I, I had done yoga before, but in this period of time, I was, you know, going to yoga quite a bit more because I had the free time and was uh, considering going into teaching because it's something I'd always, uh, always liked my, you know, my wife and I talked about, um, you know, how I love teaching and I love skateboarding. So that was like something we'd kind of like maybe either joked or just kind of thought would be, would be interesting. It was one day after class at this yoga studio uh, called Urban Asanas in, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, the, the teacher, Jill, when we were kind of talking about this after class, uh, she suggested that we teach or that I teach a class there. And at first I thought she talk, was talking about for, for the kids, but um, no, it was actually she was interested in teaching, uh, having me teach adult beginners there. So that's where the, uh, the skate yogi, the yogi part of it came in. It was uh, in a class for adult beginners taught in conjunction with the yoga studio, we, we taught it in the park nearby. And, uh, that was back in 2013. So almost five years ago, we had our first, uh, first group of nine adult beginners all from the yoga community. And, um, I found that it was a really, I, I mean, I had to prep for it a lot because I hadn't really taught adults how to skateboard before I'd definitely shown kids, but, uh, teaching, teaching the adults was, was a different experience you know, you can like explain things a lot more. And also the yoga um, part of it was, was kind of nice because for me, skateboarding had always been something that I did more as a creative pursuit to express myself 
Um, maybe when I first started back in my teenage years, I had tried a couple of contests, figured it wasn't really for me. So the, the yogi part of it for me is really when you're skating, it's, it's that moving meditation similar to yoga where you find yourself in the moment. And also there's a lot of crossovers as far as balance and flexibility in different postures and things like that. So it seemed like a natural, a natural thing. And then when we continued the classes, you know, even not at the yoga studio anymore, we, we kept the name because we liked the idea of approaching skateboarding from, from that perspective. That's neat. Yeah. I, I assume that was sort of how you, you got to it. Um, but you did this first class, it was nine years ago, you said? Uh, five years ago. Five, five years ago. Okay, so you've been doing that for that yeah. long. And, and definitely, I guess, over that period, I've seen, you know, more friends, um, I guess, as they have kids or, you know, they try and reclaim their youth, you know, with everyone being, I, I guess, hopefully help, healthier into their, their 30s and 40s and maybe 50s even. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what, where do you think that, you know, this adults try and skateboarding? Like, is that is that just our, our like I say, the reclaiming of the youth? Or, or where is where do you think that's coming from? What do the people say when they come? Well, I think a lot of uh, a lot of adult beginners. Uh, first of all, a lot of our adult beginners are women. I would say eighty to ninety percent. And going back to what I said earlier um, about you know when I first started, it was really like you really only saw boys doing it. So I'm I'm getting a lot of uh, students that are women in their twenties and thirties that maybe back when they were younger it just wasn't um, as accessible. But now that more and more people are getting into skateboarding, they're seeing like, hey, better late than never and, and to get into this thing. And, and we're finding that they're really actually catching on pretty quick. So it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Do you see uh, a lot of the sort of parents going, you know, wanting to get a bit better because their kids are into it? Yeah, you get that. You get parents that may have used to skated and their their kids want to get into it. So they're they're even coming out for classes. We have uh, we have some groups that are a little more beyond the basics where it's a lot of, uh, yeah, like retired skaters coming, coming back and finding something they can do with their kids. So you see that I have one student who's, um, back from skating after about 20 years off and, and he's doing great. He's in his forties and he's learning tricks he had never done even when he was skating, you know, when he was younger. Yeah, and that's big. You know, the when you're young, you bounce. So the the older the older you get, that was definitely my problem. The ankles just didn't like it, and I was I think I stopped. Probably the last time I majorly skated was early twenties, and I'm early thirties now. Um, right on. And I'm yeah. part of my curiosity is that I do want to. You know, I've been looking at boards and stuff, so I'm gonna pick your brain on that a bit later. Um, okay. But. Um, you talked about, you know, people coming and, and the yoga aspect and a bit about confidence there. Like I'm wondering, I've seen in a few of the things I've just, as I did research, uh, on you and your business, this idea of community, um, and helping kids sort of find, uh, a community element. Uh, can you speak to sort of what goes into that, that community and what, what, I guess, beyond learning to skateboard, what are, what are people, what are the kids getting out of, um, learning to skateboard? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, skateboarding is is kind of just a common activity. We look at it as a as a platform. So when you get into skateboarding, it then allows for all kinds of connections and relationships. Uh, growing up, most of the friends that I met along the way were skateboarders. We just had that one thing in common. 
and it forms that strong bond. And so when we have groups of kids or even groups of adults like sharing this activity together, um, you know, they're, they're doing it, they're doing it together, together, they're, they're motivating each other. Uh, I find that, you know, when a, when a student sees a teacher doing something in their, they can see this huge gap. So it's, it's hard to see where they, you know, how they can get to that point. But when they see their peers uh, able to do moves or they're just doing it together and having that collective confidence. Um, so around that, then you start to form other um, connections, you know, skateboarders are, you know, this, the activity of skateboarding is inherently creative. So there's other outlets for, you know, decorating your skateboards or, you know, some, some people get into music. And so it's, it's really cool to see like friendships formed through, through the, uh, through the community of skating. And it's a really, uh, really strong community that's formed kind of when you have that one thing in common can kind of go anywhere in the world. And if you meet another skateboarder, you already have like an initial bond with them. And then you can kind of then form other, um, connections with that person pretty easily. Right. Yeah. You have this, like oh, this language, this common language. Yeah. Hmm. And, and you mentioned sort of younger girls, you know, that's, uh, my wife wrote a book series. She's, I guess the series is ongoing, but it, it's called shred girls. And so it's about, um, younger girls right now it's based on cycling. So doing sort of BMX, mm-hmm. BMX or something like that. And it's, the response has been amazing. Like, you know, both from little girls, but also their parents and, you know, it's encouraging reading, but it's also encouraging them to get active and doing stuff. And I imagine with the skateboarding, it, it's the exact same response when you get people out and, and these young girls, especially out, um, you know, and the confidence from, you know, stomping their first ollie or kickflip. Uh, it must be huge. Like, do you have a, a story about, you know, is there anything you can think of, you know, different participants you have where that's been sort of a, a big step in their life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, it's a huge confidence booster. We have, um, you know, I can think of students that, that come in and they come in, they're excited about skating. They're very like focused on themselves and what they can do. And they might get like, you know, they have that, but then over the, over the course of skating, uh, with everyone, it's kind of like a humbling experience or as they're doing it, they can kind of be a little more, like empathetic of what everyone else is doing. So like there's a girl that did a, a week of day camp with us. She came in and was just persistently uh, trying to do tricks on the ramps. Uh, she First she was just starting by going up and down, then rolling in, and then she was dropping in on the small ramp. And be- before you knew it, by the by the end of the week, she had dropped in on our, on our big ramp. It's about a three and a half footer. It's not too big by, you know, all the perspectives but um you know in our space that's the big ramp so she dropped in on that and you could just see the boys looking at her like wow like how did she learn that so quick and it was just seeing that like that persistence and and um the confidence she got from that was was awesome and and just to see you know that payoff after all that hard work yeah that's that's amazing and it must be you know huge and i i can only imagine they they say it transfers quite well into other elements of your life and i've certainly seen that you know in cycling uh that's sort of my main gig is cycling coaching mm-hmm. and skill coaching around cycling and you know when you see someone hop a log or something on their mountain bike the first time this is adults or or kids it's just huge right especially if they believed you know that was something beyond what they could could do 
So I imagine with the adults, when you get, you know, a first ollie or even for some people, I would imagine just standing on the board. Like I see a lot of your images are sort of you crouch down, you know, trying to show that balance and athletic position. Um, Like, is that, you know, with the adults, is that largely what you're spending a lot of time on is sort of getting onto the board and getting comfortable just sort of standing and rolling on the board? I would say so. Yeah, we really focus a lot on the basics with the adults and I think it's it's really awesome when you see the adults come in maybe a little skeptical of their abilities or you know, they come in with, with maybe not as many expectations and then they surprise themselves with how they're able to do it when they follow the steps. I think I've had uh, some adult students that said, you know, I'm actually maybe even able to learn things easier as an adult because I don't have uh, all the ego attached to it and I'm able to kind of work through this thing and not get frustrated when you can't do it the first time. Skateboarding is a great lesson in perseverance. So learning the technique is one thing, but then just practicing it over and over again, um, you know, you can see that like slow and steady improvement. And with the adults, it's great because they're still in that low part of the learning curve where even a few hours in, you're, learning and and able to do so much more than you were just, you know, just, just before you had even uh, started. So it's, it's really, I love teaching absolute beginners because you see so much uh, progression and, and like even the little, the little milestones that we break, that we break up, whether it's just stepping on the board, some people are, you know, hesitant to do that. We work on the, the balance of stepping on onto the board, swinging your way over to the side pushing off, turning, stopping, like even, even just that being able to do that for, for some adults is, is such a thrill and exciting that it motivates them to keep going. Right. And and I would imagine, you know, those are the key skills you need to then go to the skate park and be safe. Right. It's, you know, that's, that's what makes further practice, you know, feel, you know, like you're not going to, you know, fall and break your hip or something. Right. Um, so if someone was starting out, you know, someone has a, a kid who's skating and they want to go skate with them or maybe their kid's interested, is there any guidance? Like what, what's sort of the minimal stuff, you know, if I was going to go to the store right now, what, what would you advise? Like what, what, do, what should people have, you know, even if they're going to come to your beginner 101 course, what, what sort of gear? I know you rent as well, which is a good way to do it, I guess, but what, what do you need to get going? Yeah, I mean the the great thing about our classes is that we have we have all the equipment. It's included in all of our classes because we do want to be able to have people try out skateboarding as much as possible before they invest in their own in their own gear. Um, that said, skate gear isn't isn't that you know it, relatively like for other activities and everything. It's not too uh, too costly to get started. And the uh, interesting thing with skateboarding is when you walk into a skate shop. Uh, pretty much all the equipment is is pro grade. There's not a huge uh, discrepancy. There's going to be like slight price differences, but uh, I would recommend someone starting out that doesn't have access to to be able to borrow skateboards. I would definitely recommend um, getting a skateboard of your own, uh, pads and a helmet. Uh, especially, yeah, I mean, I would say any any beginner is is I'm strongly recommending uh, pads and a helmet for for the skateboard. Um, and just in general, I would say if you have a local skate shop, those are going to be the best places to go 
to get your equipment. It's your your local experts. The the skate shop is kind of the the hub of the of the skate community, so you'll be able to get tips and everything. Um, as far as the skateboard, I would get a standard popsicle shape. We call them a popsicle because they look like like a popsicle stick when you when you think of it as like the two rounded edges. It's the most versatile um, shape that you can then you know upgrade or change out different parts as you need to for I would stay away from penny boards I know sometimes people like the penny boards because they they look nice and they have those the big soft wheels that that people like to ride on but I would avoid penny boards just because they have a really short wheelbase and those are and, and like I would the also, small boards yeah the penny board is is the um it's the small plastic cruiser that you see sometimes they're they're very skinny and they're they have a very short wheelbase and I think sometimes people think those are easier to ride because they're smaller, but because they have a short wheelbase, they're really unstable. So I would recommend um, to to avoid that, and and also to avoid you know buying a skateboard at a at a toy store because a lot of times, even though they look like a standard skateboard, the quality of the parts are not as good. So you'll you'll actually won't be able to roll as well, and and it sometimes can be unsafe. Um, and then. We, we, in our, in our store, we don't, we don't stock, uh, longboards. I know like longboards are something some people like, it's a more of a specialty thing for, you know, either going on longer rides or, or out in the, the hills, they're good for the hills. But for most skate, skate applications, I would recommend a popsicle shaped board for an adult an eight inch wide board is pretty standard. You can go a little, a little wider if you want a more stable board. And the biggest thing I would say for an adult beginner, if they really want to get spend a lot of time pushing around, is to get a softer wheel. Uh, so in a skate shop, if you walked into a skate shop and said, uh, I'd like to set up a cruiser, like a kind of a cruiser board or a cruiser setup, they're going to direct you to like the softer wheel. The, uh, the more like trick wheels that we would use are harder. So there's benefits there for like when you do want to do ollies and slides and everything. But if you're just trying to push down the sidewalk or on the on some rough pavement, it's those are going to vibrate a lot and you're going to find it difficult difficult to ride. So I would recommend um, like a softer wheel, like a you know either a full-on cruiser wheel, like a 78A. If there's a durometer rating or a, you know something in between but not like a really hard wheel unless, unless you're only going to use the board at the skate park where there's like probably smooth concrete or smooth surfaces, then you can get away with a, with a hard wheel. Right. And would the soft wheel slow you down and give you a bit more control probably then? It depends on the riding surface. I would say it, it slows you down a little bit on smooth concrete, but actually we find like when you're pushing down the sidewalk, you'll probably end up, even going a little faster or just smoother you won't have to push as often so sometimes when you're when you're first starting out that like transitioning between pushing and riding can be difficult so if you have a cruiser wheel you can push a few times and then kind of enjoy the riding portion instead of continuously pushing and um, the- i wouldn't go really big on the cruiser wheel though so i wouldn't go any more anything above like a 60 millimeter wheel okay that's what um, i was just going to ask would be yeah like cuz once you get once you get to be a bigger wheel, then you have to put risers on it. So your board starts to get high. And so the distance between 
the surface of the board and the surface of the ground increases and it becomes every time you push you have to step down a lot so i would i usually recommend something like a 55 millimeter uh wheel and in a softer durometer okay and so when you walk in you know they'll have boards up on the wall and all the wheels and the trucks and bushings and everything else in the cases yep would a first it's time, a little overwhelming right it, it is even and i like know those yeah. names and i've bought skateboards in my <laughs> life and i still like i've gone into a couple and i'm like ah, i just don't know like i i remember element skateboards but like are you better to get a complete or you know a complete is just a board that's already assembled like you know, is there something like that or, or is there some way to navigate that beyond, I guess you could just ask for help too. And most skate shops are pretty good guys, but. Yeah. I mean, often the completes are a better value because they're putting the pieces all together. And as a beginner, you don't have all the specific preferences. I mean, you can, uh, you can really get, you know, get carried away with all the different, uh, durometers and sizes and shapes of different, you know, wheels and trucks and everything. So sometimes a complete is a good value for a, for a beginner starting out. I would just be careful of, you know, a lot of the completes are set up with hard wheels. So you might, you might want to either find what, what would be like a cruiser complete or even to get a complete and put like softer wheels on it. Um, otherwise, you know, if you, if you're just, Looking at the shapes of the boards, the primary dimension is the width. As long as you're getting a board that's about eight inches wide and the, the trucks are going to be proportional to the width of the board and that you have you know, wheels that are softer, you're going to be okay. And then the nice thing about skateboards and skate shops is all the parts are interchangeable. So if you get a, if you get a set of wheels that you just end up thinking are you know, too big or too small or, or too soft or not soft enough, you can always uh, change things out and upgrade without having to get a whole new skateboard. So all the different brands fit every, every skateboard you know, to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, nothing's ridiculously expensive, even at the, the pro level of stuff. It's, it's only so expensive relative, you know, I'm used to cycling where, you know, some little small part can be a thousand dollars and wheels are, you know, can be four and $5,000. So it's exactly. Yeah. With a skateboard, if, yeah, even if you get some really nice things, you're not spending anything more than 200 on a complete skateboard, um, you know, in that range between, 120 and 200 is probably going to be the range of, of a complete skateboard, you know? Okay. And then how about, you know, I don't want to go too deep onto equipment, but I, I think that's, you know, it's one, when you talk about hurdles to trying, you know, it's, it's sort of, we'll talk a bit about technique and sort of first drills here in a second, but the equipment sure, to me yeah. is sort of, you know, you got to get a skateboard and you don't want it to be the crummy like department store skateboards that are like really, right. you know, just crummy feeling. And, um, so I'm wondering, shoe-wise, is there anything shoe-wise? Like, can I wear my, like, Nike running shoes or, you know, will that get me going? Or, or what do you, you know, when someone's coming again to your courses and stuff, what, what do you advise? I would really recommend, and it doesn't have to be the, the latest and greatest skate shoe, but anything with a flat sole is going to be a lot easier to learn how to skate on. The problem with running shoes is that they have... Uh, sometimes too much grip. So when you're on the board, it's harder to adjust your feet. A lot of times you need to pivot your foot. 
Um, and, and then also the uneven sole. So if your heel is raised up, you lose what we call board feel. So any, any of the variety of, of skate shoes uh, or skate style shoes that have the flat sole is going to help, uh, is going to help a lot in terms of moving the board around and, and really like feeling more stable on the board. Awesome. And then anything on pads or helmets that you would recommend or caution against? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I would, I would caution against wearing like a dedicated bike helmet that might not have been designed at all for, for skateboarding. Um, the, the skateboarding helmets tend to have more, uh, soft cushion on the inside. So it really protects like from, from the falls that you'll have on a, on a skateboard. Um, at our space, we really like triple eight. We use those for our rental gear and then, and then sell those exclusively in our shop The triple eight brand, um, for, for skate helmets. And also I like their, uh, their pad line. They have, um, it's, I think it's called the saver saver pack. It's basically a nice intro level set of pads. You get wrist guards, elbow pads, and knees that are lightweight. They're not going to weigh you down, but they'll protect you where you need it. And, I've seen enough adults fall to highly recommend, yeah, full pads, especially when you're just starting out, especially if you're going to be doing um, ramps and tricks and things like that. Right. And that makes sense. I mean, the, that bucket helmet is, is going to be, you know, like you say, better than a lot of the, like a bike helmet or a hockey helmet or something like that. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, on, on that note of safety and, and falls, so usually the first step is you get on the board, I, I would think. Like what, what's the, I, you know, what we try and do in these is, you know, well, I got a skateboard, I'm at the park with my kids. You know, what's, what's sort of the first drill or, or technique to work on? Sure. Yeah. The first drill I always do, I call them one, two, three, fours, just stepping on and off the board. You start with your board between your feet. So you're not coming to the board from the side. You've got your board between your feet and then you're going to step your front foot on, which, which, you know, just think of your front foot. It could either be your left or your right. You're going to put it on over your, over the bolts in the front of the board. Then you'll step your back foot onto the back of the board uh, sideways. So the front foot is straight and the back foot is sideways. And once you step on, then you'll pivot your front foot sideways or a little bit of an angle. So when you're pushing and getting off the board, your front foot is straight and your hips are facing forward. Uh, then when you step onto the board, you want to pivot your front foot sideways and your hips go in line with the board. So when you're, when you do that a few times, just stepping on and off the board, step your front foot on, then your back foot on and then step your back foot off and then your front foot off. I find that just repeating that exercise of getting on and off the board will help to then, um, ground you in terms of the, you know, training the, the actual stance is when you stand on the skateboard, you want to just be mindful to keep your feet wide. You don't want to stand like you would normally be standing with your feet close together because then you don't have the stability. So you want to stand. If you're looking at the skateboard, you can see the bolts that attach the, the wheels and trucks to the deck. That's a good guideline as far as where you want your feet to be. So you want your feet to be over the bolts. Awesome. Those are two, a great technique and then sort of a great focus. I like that. Um, what would be, as far as common problems, you know, when, so we go through that first drill, um, like what do you see, I guess, problem or a mistake? Like what do you see people coming with, you know, even maybe they've skated a bit 
um, you know, is there something like misconception or, or mistake that you see people making, especially adults making when they come? I mean, I think one thing we always have to work on, particularly with adults, is to stay loose. So you're holding your foundation with your feet on the board, but you don't want to be so stiff that you're, you're not able to shift your balance. So sometimes what we'll do is an exercise with you stand with your feet wide on the board and just try to shift your board back and forth, keeping your knees and everything uh, loose. So you always want to have your knees bent a little bit and be able to have a little bit of bounce. So that's one thing that I find is really uh, tricky. Once you, once you finally convince yourself to stand on a board and, and get into that posture, you then have to kind of loosen up. So we do a lot of warm-ups before classes to you know, to get, to get warmed up and loosen up and stretch out, um, and to, you know, to try to, try to get as, as loose as you can. Um, the second, second thing I see a lot would kind of just an example of bad form, I guess we call it T stance. So a, a few minutes ago, I mentioned having your front foot straight. And then when you step your back foot on your back foot is sideways. So T stance is when you push off, put your back foot on sideways, but then you keep your front foot straight and you kind of have your arms out to the side and you're not really able to stabilize yourself too much because you still have that front foot straight. So you just want to make sure that once you, once you push off and you're riding to pivot that front foot sideways, even if it's just like diagonal so that you're then able to stabilize yourself with your, with both feet. Right, that makes sense, and that's yeah. really the reason for your uh, one, two, three, four drill. Then too is to try right. to learn that the foot positions. Um, now, right. now those two foot positions are for the front foot. The two front foot positions that sort of you're going to transition between that foot pointed forward when you're kicking, um, and then once you sort of are coasting or going into a, a ramp, then that's when you want your feet sideways. Both feet are sideways. That's right. And when you're riding, you can kind of take like the, the middle, the middle ground with that, with that front foot. So your front foot can kind of be like at a 45 degree angle that way, if you need to get off your board in a hurry. So getting off your board is always stepping your back foot off. So you step your back foot forward. Sometimes the problem with your, if your feet are both like perfectly sideways, it's just tricky to get off your board in a hurry. So when you're just riding, uh, you know, you can have your front foot kind of angled, but if you're going to be doing something like going up the ramp or dropping off a curb or some kind of trick where you really want a lot of stability, then you want to have your feet both perfectly sideways because you get the most, get the most uh, stability from that, from that stance. Okay. Um, I remember it was the one piece and I'm going to link to it. It's, there was a piece on your business in concrete wave magazine. And that was, I think where I got a lot of this community stuff, which I thought was, was really neat. Um, and part of what they talk about was sort of the rules of the skate park, and that was part of the community, was you sort of learn how to exist in this this environment. Um, can you speak a bit to, like, you know, it is, it, it looks, if a parent looks at a, a skate park, it can look quite chaotic. Um, you know, but I remember going, and I don't think, I thought maybe once or twice I remember two guys sort of getting pretty close or hitting each other or a board springing out or something. But generally, like, things just happen and it's fine. Um, can you give any guidance to, you know, a parent or a first time person going to a skate park on how to sort of exist in that, that chaotic environment? Absolutely. And, and this is a really important thing that I try to get all of our students to learn. 
Um, it does look a lot, cha- a lot of, uh, like a lot of chaos at a skate park, but it's definitely an organized chaos. And there's a, there's an order kind of going on behind, behind everything. So skate park etiquette is something I, I really try to stress and emphasize, uh, you know, for, for all, for skaters of all ages, because you want to go into the skate park and, and know what's going on and feel like you're not just getting in everyone's way. Um, so a couple things, couple things to keep in mind. Um, first of all, if, if you're going to the skate park, usually for like adult beginners or, or your kid beginners going with their parents, I would try to avoid peak hours at, at the, at least at the beginning. Cause if, if a skate park is really crowded, um, it, it could be a lot more difficult to kind of get the feel of the park. So, you know, in, in New York city here where we are, uh, I'll usually, you know, recommend going earlier in the morning before the, you know, all the teenagers are awake, but usually by like 12, one o'clock, it's, it's pretty crowded. Um, that said, when you're, when you're at the skate park, the, the general, the general flow is that when you're waiting to take your turn, you're going to be in one of the starting areas, like around the edge of the park. So this is either, you know, on top of the ramp or there's just kind of an area that uh, is, is on the periphery of the skate park. And then if you just kind of look and see what's going on, there's typically lines in the skate park. So there's a flow to it. So there's multiple skateboarders going at a time, but there's kind of usually distinct areas that you can, that you go, that's kind of like lanes. It's like traffic. So when you're waiting for your turn on the edge, you're just waiting for your lane to be open or just to have an opening. And then you'll, you'll drop in or, or skate over, over in that direction and then you're you're taking your turn and you're skating around. You're doing tricks. Um, once you either fall or you're done skating, you want to find your way pretty quickly to one of those other starting areas. So what I find a lot of times is kids starting out will like hang out in the middle of the park and not realize that they're kind of blocking the flow of traffic. And maybe the younger skateboarders that aren't as polite will, um, you know, not not so nicely let them know that they're that they're in the way. But if they could just go to the, you know, the edges and, and wait their turns, things would go a lot, a lot smoother. I think that's great. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Even just w- the watching, right? Like, don't don't judge it. Just sit and and watch that. You know, no one's no one kills themselves in the you know ten minutes you watch or something, right? And, and you can start seeing that that flow where you know no one can go up the five set of stairs. So you know that's a one directional sort of area in the park, right? And so that calms that area once you sort of realize you know which direction you can go up different things um that that's right yeah and i and another thing we do like to mention you know when you're when you're there at the skate park you'll see skateboarders like tapping their boards this is kind of the skateboard equivalent of the golf clap or banging their boards cheering um i find the more that you're kind of participating and you know, say hi to people at the skate park if they seem like they're, you know, approachable. Um, it, it always kind of like breaks that, especially if it's a smaller, a smaller park or even just like a, a little half pipe. It always it's nice to uh, kind of get the the stoke for everyone. You know, everyone up like that. It, the worst thing is that if you fall or you do a great trick and like no one really acknowledges it. So you wanna, you know, I, I try to encourage my students just to always like cheer for each other if it even if it's just like tapping their boards. And uh, it kind of like get that, you know, get, get comfortable. Another thing at a skate park I would, I would always recommend, especially uh, 
you know, for, for beginners is it's an exercise I've even started doing is, is just to kind of go and flow around the park first before you start trying your hardest moves. Just try to kind of get the flow of the place. It's, it's a nice little mental exercise as well as a physical exercise. A lot of times if you go and you start trying something really difficult right away, you get stuck and you're not really giving your chance to yourself to warm up. So if you can just kind of skate around and, and feel the flow of the park, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. I mean, the warm up that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So that covers the skate park then. Now when someone, you know, an adult comes to your, I believe it's Sundays, you have your adult program. Um, you know, do you give them homework for the rest of the week? Like what, what can they do at home? You know, maybe even if they don't have, you know, a skate park in their backyard or something like what, what can they do as far as homework? Yeah. I mean, I find if, if you only skate an hour a week, you're, it's going to take a while to get more comfortable skating. So I would always recommend, uh, for students to skate as much as they can, um, in, in the city, that might be difficult in their apartments, but if you even have like uh, a smooth piece of sidewalk or just a, a park nearby, it doesn't have to be a skate park. Um, in fact, maybe it's better not to be in the beginning if it's just an empty basketball court or somewhere with smooth sidewalks, uh, just to be able to push around um, for a little bit of time. The more The more you skate and get comfortable with those basics of of pushing and turning and, and getting a, a low stance of bending your knees, uh, everything else after that is going to, is going to be, uh, more comfortable. Yeah. I remember I actually, this summer we went with some friends who have some younger kids and the one young uh, lad was going to a skateboard park or a skateboard camp, I should say that, that next week. So he was getting a, his first skateboard and that's what the, the guy at the skate park recommended was just going to like a tennis court. Cause I guess there's a lot of tennis courts in that area that don't really get used, uh, but are super smooth. And that that's where we actually skated when I was younger a lot. And, you know, you would think, Oh, it's boring, but you know, kids will, they'll put sticks on the ground and try and jump them or, or whatever. Right. Like it's, um, it's smooth surface is really all you need. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a smooth surface. And, you know, if you have a, if you have a driveway or a garage or, you know, when I was younger, I would just go down in the basement. The ceilings were a little low, so I learned how to kind of cramp down. But anywhere you can kind of skate back and forth and just practice your moves uh, is going to be really helpful. Just a little bit of, um, call it flat ground, because, you know, with the skateboard and smooth flat ground, there's still infinite possibilities. And, yeah, if you've got a stick or a piece of wood to prop up and make your own little ramp, or just something to practice jumping over. Uh, it really kind of breeds the innovation in skating. Um, yeah. yeah, that's funny. I remember we, I grew up in Canada, so winters, like we have six months of the year that basically are ruined for skateboarding unless you like shovel the road or something on a sunny day. Um, but we did a lot of garage and, and basement skateboarding, like all laying onto a couch and jumping off of it and stuff and similar low roof, trying not to hit your head. Nice. Yeah. If you have a little bit more room too, you can build what we call a mini ramp, which is basically, if you think of a half pipe, it's just a shorter version of that. So a lot of, yeah, places with, uh, you know, harsh winters will have mini ramps. And I learned how to skate mini ramps and had a great time with it besides, uh, 
and it doesn't take up a lot of space. It's also a very, um, I don't know I would say it's like a forgiving obstacle because you're just going back and forth and it's a nice, there's a nice rhythm to it, but also it doesn't take a, take up a lot of space. So indoor mini ramps are probably a good, a good spot to, uh, to practice on. <laughs> yeah. They're really small. Like they maybe take up the same room as like a, a queen bed or something. Um, we actually built one, I think at the end of high school, a friend was going to university in a, about six hours away in Ottawa. And, uh, he had this big, like he was up in this apartment building. And he had this big veranda, like this big porch, like, and it was walled in, but Ottawa was very cold in the winter, but it was like fairly sheltered, like no water would get in. And so we built this collapsible, like five part mini ramp and we hauled it up the, like the elevator and assembled it at like the 17th floor of this big apartment building. Um, and I didn't, I only got to ride it once or twice, but it was pretty, pretty awesome. But there was some noise complaints and stuff, which I think eventually foiled that. But <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty typical. <laughs> uh, the little guys must love that. Now the micro mini though would be fine for, um, even adults. Like you use, do you use those with your adults as well? Yeah, we have we have the smaller smaller. We, we use the quarter pipes in our space. It's a you know it's a small space, but we use um, ramps that we can kind of move around. So we don't really have the mini ramps, but I think our smallest ramp is maybe a foot and a half tall. And yeah, it's it's a nice thing because the the fear factor is lower if you're learning how to go up it or or, or go down it. It's it's not a very big distance to fall. Uh, once you start getting up above like three feet, you know, you really want to make sure you're doing, you know, you're able to do it. And, you know, with the adults, they, they don't want to take as much risk. The kids, the kids will just figure it out by dropping in and they, and they, you know, fall in such a, um, you know, fluid, natural way. Uh, with the adults, we really have to spend more time working on that, like staying loose. Um, one exercise I'll do with the adults a lot is to, just get as low as you can and then fall off your board. So you can see that, you know, it's kind of an icebreaker, but like our natural instinct sometimes is to throw our arms up when we're losing our balance, but, you know, bending your knees and getting low um, and then just kind of keeping the energy going. So kind of rolling. So if you have your pads, you can kind of like roll it out. Yeah. That's a good, good thought. Yeah. Cause you can really get quite low so that you almost like transition right onto the ground. Um, I like that. I might have to brainstorm that a bit for like, we do a lot of initial cycling stuff in a grassy field, but it's, it's maybe a little further on a bike, but same technique applies of getting into that nice low athletic position mm. and rolling and not having outstretched arm is, is quite important as well. Um, okay. That's awesome. The one question we often ask when we're doing sort of a more of a skill, uh, episode, um, this is more Molly, my wife and co-host who, who likes this. I'll throw her under the bus on this, but, um, I think everyone likes to look cool when they're doing something. So, you know, I, I think your tip about just rolling around the park and getting the flow, um, you know, that would be a good goal. But if someone were looking to look cool or, or like they know what they're doing, um, early in their progression in skateboarding, uh, can you think of a, a move or a, even just a, the way they're acting or something that would, that would help expediate that and not look like quite as big a noob. Sure. I mean, one thing we always like to do, cause, cause it is fun it, with skating. There's definitely a set of kind of unwritten rules 
and we're trying to welcome new people into the activity and kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, like let them know things that might be mocked, even if, you know, skateboarding, you know, is going to take it too seriously. But one thing we'll uh, try to have students avoid is doing the mall grab. So that's when you're holding your skateboard by the trucks. We call it the mall grab as in, you know, the skateboard that you just bought at the mall that you don't really use. So you're just holding it as an accessory because once you actually really start skating, the trucks get pretty grimy. So you wouldn't really want to hold your trucks, uh, hold your board by the trucks. The kind of like more acceptable way to hold your board would be sideways, holding the middle of the board kind of the same way you would hold um, like a board, like a, like a briefcase, like under your hand or with your, either with your grip tape facing in or out is fine. So that's one we would, we would say is avoid them all grab. That's a kind of a dead giveaway sometimes. Um, And then just as far as kind of like beginning tricks, you know, sometimes we'll have fun showing students how to kick the board up into their hands. So the trick to that is you really just use the, the tip of your toes and snap the tail quickly down to make the board jump up in there and you just grab it with your hand. So that's something you can kind of practice and perfect and it will look like, you know, something that, you know, a a regular like seasoned skateboarder would do. Um, You know, besides that, maybe once you start learning how to push off, you might learn the running start where you're holding the board in your hand and running next to it and then jumping onto the board to get started. This is a kind of like, Entry-level moves that are more like techniques that skaters will, will do. Awesome. I think those are three great ones. Yeah. Um, I think the how you hold the skate bar, I didn't even think about that, but that's we had a, a golf episode, and that was the one thing was how you uh, wear your golf bag. And I hadn't even thought about it, but you wear it more like a backpack, but I guess newbies wear it more like a, like a purse almost, right? Um, so I was like, and he's like, yeah, like you can completely tell when people are just like renting or something like that just by that. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's exactly what we're looking for is sort of those, those things that, you know, I guess make you feel like you belong or, or whatever earlier. So, um, that was awesome. You know, I think we covered how to buy the board, your first steps, you know, things to practice, how to stay safe. Um, and then, you know, a couple technique things here towards the end. So, um, that's awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I want people Definitely. to make sure, you know, if they're in, you're in Brooklyn, right? So in New York, but in that's Brooklyn. That's right. Yep. Yep. Um, and you're on Instagram. So there's lots of cool videos of what they're up to. Uh, uh that's Instagram.com slash skate Yogi. Uh, also on Facebook at skate Yogi and that's Yogi with an I. It's the only way I think you can spell Yogi, but just to double check, <laughs> um, and skate Yogi.com. And is there any other ones I'm missing? Uh, yeah, there's the class times are all on skate Yogi.com. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's it. Unless you have anything else, Kevin. No, I think that's about it. We covered it. We have uh, classes for kids, teens, and adults, day camps, uh, summer camps, private lessons, and uh, parties and events. So, yeah, all the information's up there on skateyogi.com. If you're in the area, definitely come and check it out. Awesome. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on today, Peter. Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health-conscious lifestyle through financial rewards. They've used science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people just like you, including those who exercise, 
four times a week through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, whatever consummate athlete lifestyle you're, you're undertaking. Research has shown that people who are highly active through exercise have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and 34% lower risk of early death. Many people who exercise regularly don't realize that they can get a special rate with Health IQ if they qualify through the Health IQ quiz. Health IQ has special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, vegans, and other health-conscious people, so you can qualify by scoring elite on quizzes for specific lifestyles. Essentially replacing BMI with waist-to-hip ratio for better predictors of cardiovascular disease when it comes to weightlifters and muscular builds. That's great for me. They also have replaced the LDL-HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for low-carb and paleo dieters, which is a better predictor of cholesterol health, and they don't take into account one incidence of family history if you're otherwise healthy. So, go over to healthiq.com slash capod. All lowercase. And take that quiz. Um, They have a bunch of different quizzes on the website, and the website's pretty well designed, so it's worth heading over there, checking it out, and again, using that link, healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review, and while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford, and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.